Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Ade with me again. We are going through the book of Hebrews. In this teaching, take your Bible and continue along with us. We are in Hebrews chapter 4. And he's continuing this chapter 4, giving us one that we should be careful not to fall into the same unbelief that the people in the wilderness that followed Moses, they went to unbelief and couldn't go into the promised land. For us, our own promised land is immortality that Christ has promised. Uh, the promised land is the glory that Adam, Lord, that Christ is bringing back to us. That's the, the, the glory that Christ is already in right now, which are glow like Christ is glowing in the light. When our body is completely perfected, when the when our soul, spiritual and body is, is made perfect, we are going to glow. We begin to appear and disappear. I'm going to the spirit world and back, back and forth to the spirit world, the physical world, like Christ can do right now. That is the promise for us. And those that enter that promise are the ones that are going to inherit this universe with Christ. Sons of God forever. And that is the promise that they say unbelief can be inherit that promise. That's why he said in chapter 3 that take it, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Because there will be a challenge to all these things you believe from the devil. God allowed the devil to challenge it. Do you still believe these things? People that believe that they can live and never die. They will challenge them with sicknesses. You have to stand your ground. People that believe that they are living only, they will challenge them with temptation to sin. You have to stand your ground. The same thing with Job. Job was challenged that you think God is able to do this thing when he lost all his house, lost, lost his children, lost all his goods and his, and, his, and his cattle, and he was still standing with God. Then he lost his own health also. He, they will use his wife to say, Cause God. That's what they want to get out of it. Cause God. But he refused to cause God. He said, God give, God is God take it away. Blessed be the glory of God. So that is a challenge of his faith. That's a test of his steadfastness. And that is the that everybody will be tested for the, your steadfastness in the Lord. So that's what the Bible says we have to hold fast the beginning of our confidence to the end. In chapter 3 of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 6 said, If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, that's when we are partakers of Christ. And that's how we are going to get that glory, but we must hold fast. And then chapter 4, as we are reading, it says, Let us never fear, lest a promise being left of left us. This promise we are talking about of entering into his rest. This rest is the millennial rest that is coming when Christ shall reign for 1,000 years on the earth. Anyone that is holy, that is accepted, will be resurrected when they are, if they are dead before that time. They will be resurrected to live with Christ for 1,000 years on this planet earth and reign with Christ. That is the that's the first rest he's talking about. Anyone that we enter into that rest, you better hold fast. That's what he said. Let us fear lest a promise being left us. This is a promise left us. Any of you come seems to sh come short of it. For unto us it was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. So this promise, you have to mix it with faith, that is, believe it. And when you believe it, walk the walk. Walk the walk with Jesus, pleasing him. For we which have believed do enter into rest. So even believing this gospel, you enter into a rest by self. What rest? When the sicknesses are reduced, when all the pains and afflictions are removed, when you begin to have victorious living, we call it victorious Christian living, that is a rest in itself. So that is the beginning of it, just the taste of it, of the final rest are going to get into. So that's what he's saying, verse 3. So we which have believed, we do enter into a rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, 
if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, that is, is the rest, which rest was he talking about when he said, if they shall enter into my rest. He's talking about this rest of new of the millennial that is coming. He's talking about even the rest that the Holy Ghost is giving to us right now, when we have a peace of God in our heart. That's a rest in itself. And when God said he was fearing in Psalm 95 that if they will enter into my rest, he said, the works of God was finished when he said six days God made the world and then the seventh day he rested. He's not talking about that symbolic seventh day rest eh, that they should not enter into it. He's talking about the 7,000 year millennial rest, which is a promise for the people that will live with Christ for 1,000 years and reign from Jerusalem. So that's a rest. Verse 4 says, For he spake in a certain place for of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Even though that was referring in the book of Genesis chapter 2, that God already rested in the seventh day, but that was not the rest he was referring to in the book of Psalm, Psalm 95, verse 11. He said, And in this place again, that is Psalm 95, verse 11, he said, If they shall enter into my rest. Verse 6 is saying now, Seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein. So he's talking of a younger race, which is the, and I pointed out the race he's talking about in Psalm 95, he's talking about the rest of the new, of the millennial race where Christ shall reign for 1,000 years from Jerusalem. That's the race. So he, he was referring to that, that yeah, these people that offended, they will not enter the other race. That means they, may not be, they will not be part of people that will be resurrected to, to live with Christ for 1,000 years. You can put that way. And then there's a rest. We are the Holy Ghost make us to have a rest from sickness, from diseases, and the peace of mind. Right now, while we are living, that's another rest. If somebody does not walk uprightly, they won't be entering that rest either. Also, because the Holy Ghost walking in our life, and we have peace of mind, and all our of all our needs are met. That's a rest in itself. And the, the peace of mind, the sicknesses are removed, and the afflictions are removed, and we have tranquility in our life. That's a rest in itself. But that rest is based on the fact that you are walking uprightly with him. Because he said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So when you are, we are walking uprightly with the Almighty God, then no good thing will he withhold from us. And then we have that rest that we are talking about that is based on our walking uprightly with him. The rest of peace of mind. Now in verse 6, as I was reading, it says, Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. It was first preached to them in the Hebrew, in the, in the, in the wilderness, but they didn't believe it, so they didn't enter their own rest. In verse 7, again, he limited around a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So what this Hebrew chapter was talking to, he was comparing the, the message of the Psalm 95 verse 11, where he said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because I swore to those people in the days of Moses that they will not enter into my rest. He said, there's another rest that's coming. If you don't add in your heart, then you enter that rest that's coming. The rest is coming is the millennial rest. And our faith, working with him, will make us partake of that millennial rest. Are they going to partake of it? How are they going to partake of it? By God resurrecting the dead in Christ. So, which means those that are not that claim to be believers, if they are not resurrected in the false resurrection, then they won't partake of the one thousand millennial reign. The Hebrews, the Jews that were dead, 
And if they are not resurrected in the first resurrection, that means they will not partake of that 1,000 millennial reign of Christ. So that is what he's saying here, that it's a rest that God is promising, and only those that are, are qualified. In fact, that was what Apostle Paul was saying, that I, may, that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. He's talking about this first resurrection, and Apostle Paul was referring to it also in the book of Philippians. Verse 8 said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 as we are reading, If Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. That is, there is a rest God is talking about to we people of God. That rest is what I'm describing. The millennial rest is one, the rest from all the pains and struggles and sorrow, the peace of mind is another rest which we can enjoy now. Then the rest of the later for those who will be resurrected as the dead in Christ and those who are alive at the time of the rapture, they are entering into a millennial 1,000 year in Christ. That's a rest, the seven day rest that was symbolized by the seven day. See? That's a rest that he's talking about. They are remaining there for that rest, a rest for the people of God. Pastor said, For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So, what type of labor is he talking about? How are we going to labor to enter into that rest? Labor means work with God, please God. Strive to enter in. Jesus Christ called it that way. He says, strive to enter in. He struggles sometimes. A struggle to keep yourself holy. A struggle against the enemy that wants to make you sin. You resist the devil steadfastly in the face. He said that resist the devil and he shall flee from you. You have to resist. The resist means you are putting some effort against the enemy. That's why it's just a labor. It's a labor to enter the enemy. Sometimes you have to fast. Also. That's kind of, kind of laboring. Praying is laboring. Sometimes you have to take time because... Labor is something you have to take time to do. Whether you are, you are digging the ground, you are a taxi driver, you take time to go do that. Why? You are trying to make money, not so. But this time you are trying to make heaven. You are trying to make the glory land. You are trying to get to that peace of mind. Trying to go to that rest of God. There's a labor that's involved. Praying every day is part of laboring. Sometimes fasting is part of laboring. Sometimes keeping yourself holy away from sinners is part of the laboring. Resisting the devil when it comes against you in any form, even in your, into your mind, when it's coming against your mind, resist him and say, No, the Bible said this is the Bible said our mind is for pure things. Since you're not have dominion over me, you quote it. That's part of resisting the devil. You speak the word of God into the air so that the devil will hear the word of God and move back. You see? It is written, it's what Jesus Christ used. It is written, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the Lord, being made a cause for us. You quote the Bible verses, they will move back. And they will try to suggest some sin to your mind. You resist them. The Bible says, my body is the temple of the living God. Sin shall not have dominion over me. You confess it. They will move back and look for another opportunity. But you have to keep resisting the devil continuously by quoting the Bible with the word of God. And that is how we labor to enter into that rest. To keep ourselves pursuing it. What it means. It's not the labor to be saved. It's the labor to keep ourselves holy. A labor to keep ourselves following the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a vision after I've been following the Lord, the Lord told me to follow him in the vision. And as I was following him, I was going in the front and I was following him. I was following him. Many people were also in the front of me. We all lined up in a single file following him. Then we got to a section where there was mud on the ground. But there was a tray where we were all going that tray where there was no mud. 
and there was a dirty looking person that was rolling in the mud that was on the ground that stood up and said that man coming towards me trying to use his money hand to pull me and the lord that i was following just looked back and said julius stand fast and that's what it meant we have to stand fast to resist that devil that tried to muddy us with his muddy hand and i stood against that devil to resist him that's what the bible says you have to resist the devil and shall flee from you so that is the laboring that we must continue to do until the end he that endure to the end the same shall be saved so that's what Apostle Paul in this book of Hebrew was saying to us in verse 11, verse chapter 4. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Because unbelief is the one that derail many people. They don't believe some of these things we are teaching them. Then they will not be able to enjoy some of these things we are teaching them. To be free from sicknesses, you must believe that Christ has removed sicknesses from us. Because the Bible said, by Israel, we were healed, past tense. Sorry, don't. Believe it, confess it, confess it until the devil run off. You have to confess by the stripes of Jesus Christ on that cross, I was ill then. And so any sickness you don't stay on this body. And as you confess it, confess it, constantly confess it to the, to the air. Tell the devil to take his sicknesses from your body because he just don't have the right to be any sickness upon our body. You say it with your confession and the devil has to withdraw because the Lord is listening. Believing it is what you say. Unbelief. If you don't believe all these things you are saying, it won't be working for you. But believe in it and it will be so. So that's why he said, don't fall through the same example of unbelief. Verse 2, I say, for the word of God is quick, that is alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. And he said, the sonar of the thoughts and intents of the heart, that is this word of God we are telling you to quote. It's powerful. And that is the weapon God has given to us to resist the devil with. Just like I said, the devil is trying to come against you. Resist the devil by quoting the word of God. It is written. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Tell the devil what he is trying to tell you to do is sin. And he say, no, sin shall not have dominion over me. I am the one that should be Lord there, not sin. Sin cannot be ruling over me. And he said, you are saying it is written. That's how Jesus Christ defeated the devil. The devil said, jump down and say, it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. They say, Tongue water will be said, It is written, man shall not live by bed alone. Say, When I bow down to me, I'll give you the whole world. Say, It is written, Thou shalt worship only the Lord God Almighty, whom you shall worship. You see? So, that is the same Bible passage you're looking for to counteract whatever the devil is suggesting to your mind. All those temptations that was reported about the Lord Jesus Christ, that they overcame those temptations by the word of God, they could be just coming to him from the devil that is also into his mind. Or it could be the devil show himself in a dream, in a vision. But whatever the devil bring it, sometimes you bring it in a vision. Sometimes you bring it to your mind, just a thought come to you. It look like they are deluded, they are bombarded with the, with the thoughts. Just speak to that mind and say, it is written, my mind is for pure thing. Whatever things are true. The Bible says this is what I should be thinking about. Whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are honest, whatever things are lovely. Whatever it is, our good report, that's what my mind should be thinking about. So you even thoughts go away. You will be surprised those demons just run off from your back of your neck. They are the one whispering those thoughts to you. When you confess Bible verse that my mind think on these good things, not the bad things, the demons run off. They may come back some other time, but you say the same thing again. Whatever suggestion they make, somebody was being bombarded with thoughts that you are so beautiful, you are being this and that, and that became, if you listen to that, you will be proud. Begin to look down people that are not as well beef like yourself, you think where they are ugly. No, 
You have to resist the devil that bringing those evil thoughts. They are proud thoughts. See, the Bible says we have to be humble. And God dwells with the lowly and the up contrite spirit. When you say that, the devil run off. He tries to make you pop up. You are so beautiful. Look at you, pretty. Oh, this is a way. You better go and you get some boyfriend. You get some girlfriend. You'll be great. You'll be making money. You tell the devil, man shall not live by bread alone. Tell your devil, just say it to your how mind. Just say it. It is written. The Bible said we are to be humble. To be ye holy for I'm holy. When you say those things, they will run off. You look for another way. But you have to resist them steadfast in the faith. And he has to flee from you. And that is what the Bible is exhorting of. The word of God is powerful. Verse 12. He said, this, he said, sharper than two edges so you can divide the soul from the spirit. And the bone from the marrow. And the designer of the thoughts and intents of the earth, that is, it will identify that the thoughts has come to you from the enemy, cut it down, shut the devil's mouth, and drive them away from you by the word of God, it is written. But as said, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, that is, in the word of God. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That is, we are dealing with the Almighty God that sees our hearts. So you don't, don't entertain the thoughts of the devil secretly like delighting in what the devil tells you making you to be proud that was the trick the devil used against Eve the devil just whispered something to her mind oh you will be as God you will not die just eat this thing that God didn't say you eat and she started thinking about it she started meditating on those things don't think about what the devil says the devil is a liar whatever a liar is saying don't, come, don't have conversation with any liar Satan is a liar Everything is telling you that look like false. They are not false. They are lies. And that was how he tricked the devil. Uh, tricked Eve. Bible said that everything is plain. So when they will whispering thoughts of pride, thoughts of you are, you, are, you are so rich and plenty, you are this and that, and making you to be arrogant, trying to look down on other people, don't, don't. See, it is written. We are all created in the image of even the people that you think are ugly, or the people that you think are not well, well, not wealthy. They are images of God too. And we have to help one another. So it is written. You have to call the word of God that will put the devil down and make you humble before the Almighty God so that you don't offend. Because our heart is open and naked before God. He's seeing your motives of what you want to do and your heart. You see, your also, we can't hide anything from you. So that's why the Bible is saying the word of God is, 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 is sharper than a two years. And he also is making things plain before the eyes of God that we are dealing with. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. He's saying again, holding fast our profession. This is our confession. Our, we are professing that we are believers. That's what it means. We are professing that we are holy people. We have to hold it fast and be a holy people and be believers indeed. Till the end. Till the end means till whatever happens, whatever we are going to with the Christ coming in the rapture, or people are going to die in, and go to grave. Those who die in Christ, holy fast, they are they are going to a place of rest until the until the resurrection. But if they deny Christ and went back into unbelief, they are lost. Go back, they are going to lake to the to the hell and lake of fire. So that's why I say, hold fast our profession unto the end. Seeing that we have a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Our high priest has paid the price for us, and is an advocate, and is making and is paying, is pleading our case before God, and sharing us on as we win the battle, and is pleading our case if we, if we falter, but we have to hold fast and don't 
purposely offend because they either willfully in this chapter he tell if you willfully sinning that you you are the one that purposely did it yourself went after Satan then there will be no salvation no salvation no 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 forgiveness no no sacrifice for you but all fast our profession verse 50 says for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infancy that is our high priest can be touched he's touched by our infancies all the struggles we are going through all the childlessness or homelessness or money or uh, penniless all of those things that we are going through god is touched by it and is helping trying to work it out for us to get us solution in many occasions it is the people on the world that is hindering us sometimes he said that god is touched by our infancies but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin pointed out that the logical also when he was on that with, with uh, like a human being he tested he was tested like we are Whatever temptation you are going through, it's not new to him. On your temptation is sickness or disease and so just trust God and claim your right and you will be well. Like the Bible says so. Because he has already paid the price. So he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need let us hold fast so that we can have grace so this chapter 4 of the book of hebrew more is more of exhortation telling us to to hold fast and don't be like the hebrews in the wilderness that through unbelief they couldn't enter into that promised land but if we hold fast to the end our promised land is that we are entering immortality our promised land is that we partake of that new Jerusalem, the millennial rest. Our promise is that even right now we can begin to enjoy the rest of God by the Holy Ghost that's in us. When we walk uprightly before Him, say, No good thing will be told from Him that walk it uprightly. Because that is part of the rest. The rest of rest from all the pains and diseases and sicknesses, rest from all the sorrows on that. Those are victorious Christian living. That we should begin to enjoy as believers right now contentment that he will make a way for you and you can you have a father god you can talk to when you have a need and he's working it out that he's going to work it out that is a rest in itself that is the beginning of the rest we're going to enjoy that right now then we're going to enter millennial rest of christ one thousand year in then to talk about the new heaven and the new earth which is coming at the end of one thousand years that is the rest that he's talking about that's our promise as believers the one that you saw the people that follow Moses that was like a, a template call it that way a template of taking them out of slavery trying to give bring them back to the promised land that God promised to them a land flowing with milk and honey but for more, most of them they didn't enter in when they got to the border they saw giant and they were well, afraid they fell but they, they went to go back because of unbelief we are going into a promised land the same problem that it's not a physical land, it is this Holy Ghost land of rest. Rest with God, where we have all our healing, all the miracles that we can enjoy right now. But what can derail it? Unbelief. What can derail it? That's what he's saying here in all this chapter 4. The only thing that can make someone else to enter that rest of God is unbelief. And if they don't believe it, they won't be walking uprightly. If you don't believe it, you won't be walking with God like he says. If a man keep my saying, shall never see that. If you don't believe this promise, you won't be keeping his saying. You talk about Enoch walk with God. Enoch. 
uh, predecessor, uh, predecessor. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. So he must have believed God. The Bible says he believed God, that's why. Without faith, it's impossible to, believe, to, to, to please him. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, that he pleased God. So to please God, you must have faith. So to have faith means you believe him. So the, the Bible is saying that we are to please God also. And as we please him by believing in him, not unbelief, believing all his promises, then we are pleasing to him. And he's walking, helping us to walk the walk. God is helping us to walk the walk. So that we always please not him. So that is really what we are talking about. And this chapter 4 of Hebrew is finally telling us in summary that today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. Now let's go into chapter 5. For every high priest, now he's going to talk about, he's going to bring some deeper revelation in chapter 5 where he's talking about the priesthood of Christ. So let's continue. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. That's why God chose human beings to be priests to plead the case of people before him. When they bring the sacrifice to God in the temple, what they are doing is pleading the case of whoever brought the sacrifice before God. And that was what high priests mean when the Bible said, Logical is our high priest before God in the heaven and is pleading our case. And when we bring a sacrifice of praise, it's through our Lord Jesus Christ, He's offering it for us to God, accepted by, by God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, that's why He says everything we do, we do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the high priest that is taking the offering, our praises, His offering. He's taking it before God, so God is well pleased with us. And working with God like that is what we are to do continuously. And the high priest is in heaven representing us and plead our case. And if you have offended, because you say if you have done something wrong and you bring offering, God is not going to accept that offering. He wanted to have a pure heart. So that's why His blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, is purging us so that our offenses are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then our sacrifice of praise. Whatever sacrifice we are giving to God is acceptable because we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that. So that's why it's not going to talk about this priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 5. That he, he, God always chooses men to be priesthood, to be priest in, in things of men. That's why he was talking about here. That because they also be human beings, they, so they also be human beings, they have gone through trials and challenges, they are compassed with infirmity, so they also will be able to present their case, the case of any human beings before God, because they themselves know what human beings are going through, and that's why God came as a human being to test, he said he tested death for every man, so his own, his own death, he abolished death, and now through his own blood, he's purging us clean, and because he has purged us clean, we can now have a freedom to come before the throne of grace freely. That's why I say, come boldly before the throne of grace because we have our high priest that is already experienced what we are experiencing and is presenting our case before God. His blood has already poured us. His blood covers our sins before the throne of God. And then every offering of sacrifice we are offering is true. Our Lord Jesus Christ is offering it for us before God. So we are acceptable. We're going to continue this in the next chapter. Chapter 5 is deep. God bless you.